welcome back to Love in Action, Autumn Ridge Women's podcast study of Romans 12. I'm your host, Svea Mary, and I'm so happy to be talking about God's Word again today, as it's truly one of my favorite things to do. Besides that, each week, one of my favorite things about putting this podcast together has been to welcome such wonderful women to the microphone to hear their insights as they talk about God's Word, too. And that's why today I'm thrilled to have Jan Wright and Jennifer Burden returning to talk through verses 14 through 16. Jan, Jennifer, welcome back to both of you, and thanks for being here. Hello. Hello, everyone. That's great. So up to this point in the chapter, we've considered how we put our love in action towards our gracious and our merciful God by offering ourselves as a living sacrifice. Then after that, we turned our attention towards loving our fellow Christians as the interconnected body of Christ, and we spurred each other on to use our gifts and our talents to serve each other. The past two weeks, we've been talking even more about what it looks like in very practical terms to put our love in action with Paul's rapid-fire list instructing us to love genuinely, to serve fervently, to pray continually, and to meet needs hospitality. Well, today's verses are going to build on all that we've seen and talked about so far, and they serve as a bit of a bridge from the positive focus of how we love well our God and those in our Christian family, and how we put that love in action towards those who may be a little bit harder to love. We have three great verses to contemplate today, verses 14 through 16. And uh, looking around here, Jennifer, you have such a sweet, gentle, southern lady voice. Would you bless us by reading these verses for us? Sure. Okay, verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Mm, thank you. you know, there's something I notice about those verses right away, and that's those action verbs. You know, we have bless and rejoice and mourn and live. And so it seems to me that we're not just to read this for the purpose of gathering information, but their instructions for how we're supposed to live together in community. Oh, thanks. That's a really good insight. I know, and it seems like it starts with the hardest thing first, doesn't <laughs> it? I mean, yeah. bless those who persecute you. Mm-hmm. Um, that must have hit the first century Christians hard because they had experienced very difficult persecution. I mean, they were kicked out of their country for their faith. Mm-hmm. That's a very severe hardship. And yet these Christians were to bless those who persecuted them, who mm-hmm. caused them harm, mm-hmm. who I assume made their family suffer, who heaped financial hardship upon them. Yeah. Oh, you're absolutely right, Jan. I mean, this church that Paul was writing to was really still in the recovery phases from this this persecution of of forcing the Jewish Christians out of Rome, and they're just returning and trying to reintegrate into their fellowship in this church. And I imagine they must have been struggling with with all kinds of wounds, physical, emotional, spiritual, um, as a result of their persecution. And so can you just imagine how powerfully this command to bless their persecutors would have landed for them? Mm -hmm. Mm. Well, I I wonder, as we begin to kind of explore this idea of blessing our persecutors, if maybe where we should start is just, what does that mean? What does it mean to 
to bless someone because I think you know in our culture today we we've overused the word you know hashtag blessed yeah. is uh, mm-hmm. kind of it shows up everywhere mm-hmm. and uh, and it, we've come to associate it with like when you get a lot of good stuff you're hashtag right. blessed mm-hmm. and that's not exactly what Paul's talking about here so so let's explore that a bit what does it mean to bless someone. Well, the easiest answer is that blessing is the opposite of cursing someone, but the actual definition of the word blessing has to do with speaking well of someone. Mm. So the Greek word for bless is where we get the word eulogize. Mm. So at a funeral, the eulogy is a time when we speak well of the one who has passed. We are in essence blessing them. So blessing our enemies is holding our tongue from cursing them, from wishing harm on them, and it's actually wishing good for them. Mm. The Jews that Paul wrote this to would have had an even more powerful understanding of what it meant to bless someone. The Hebrew concept of blessing is derived from the Old Testament examples of God blessing his people, the sense of bestowing his blessing and his peace on them, his sustaining power and favor. And the best example of this can be found in the instructions that Aaron was given for blessing the people of Israel, and that's in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. When one person blesses another, the implication is that you're calling on God to bestow his favor upon them. And think of that the next time you get an email from a Christian and they sign it, blessings. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like to sign my emails that way, and and I like it when people sign them that way to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that it's helpful because the idea of of blessing one's persecutors can be overwhelming if you're thinking in terms of, like, I need to ignore everything bad that Mm -hmm. happened to me and now, like, do something nice for them or, you know, what what does that mean? And so this is helpful to realize what he's talking about here is is to speak well. We're not returning evil for evil, Mm -hmm. as he's going to say later in this chapter. We're not, uh, we're not cursing them. We're not wishing the same evil to fall on them that maybe they've done to us. But, but we, want, we want what's best for them. Um, it's not easy, though, is it? I mean, no. <laughs> especially for, for the people that Paul's writing to, this is, this is real. This is personal mm-hmm. for them. So where, where did they, where do we get the strength to, to live this kind of a verse out? Uh, Well, I think um, two things. First, the golden rule, love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. And sometimes we think of our neighbor as someone that we enjoy and appreciate or someone who are in uh, our chosen community of friends. Mm -hmm. But neighbors could be, uh, as the common modern term, uh, they can be Karens. (laughs) They can be (laughs) irritating. Uh, They can make us want to draw a line in the sand. Mm -hmm. Uh, They can overstep their boundaries, then we could not mesh with them in terms of personalities and values and so forth. Um, So we have to always go back to God's word. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's anybody in your in God's world, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. Um, and the blueprint for how to do this was Christ's life. Mm-hmm. He was the ultimate example of persecution. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, at the end of his life, when he was uh, in the moment of physical brokenness, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, he understood that what we sometimes forget or don't think of is that humans are, you know, we're fallible. Mm -hmm. Uh, We make errors. We don't see the whole picture. Mm -hmm. So we may be persecuting someone 
uh, and not realize they're doing what they do not to aggravate us, but there's something behind it. Sure. Um, and it may be they're having a bad day, they have wrong information, their perspective is limited, uh, they're being uh, motivated by I, I, just various things we can't see. We see mm-hmm. in part now, mm-hmm. right, as the Bible says. Uh, and in psychology, they call that the fundamental attribution error. Okay. And Pastor uh-huh. talked about it more recently in one of his sermons, yeah. is that we tend to attribute our actions and thoughts and feelings to um when we do something good to our character, to mm-hmm. internal um, attributes. Sure. Uh-huh. I'm wise, I'm lovely, I'm considerate. And we tend to attribute our bad behavior to something external. Well, I was having a bad day or that person forced me to do it. Uh-huh. Right? Our circumstances. Our circumstances. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we tend to attribute another person's bad behavior or irritating behavior or just behavior that rubs us the wrong way to their internal flaws. Uh, yeah. They're a bad person. They're the devil. They're evil. They mean to do me poorly. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they cut you off in traffic because they were, you know, rushing to the emergency room because their <laughs> wife was having the baby in the back seat. And you couldn't see it. Sure. Uh, and so if we make sure that we don't do that fundamental attribution error, and how we do this as Christians is to always to love our neighbor as ourself. Mm-hmm. And remember that they are God's child, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we don't know why they're persecuting us, but we can look to Jesus's example and say, Father, forgive them, because maybe they just don't know what they are doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that's a perfect example mm-hmm. that for Jesus to say, Father, forgive them, mm-hmm. what he's truly conveying there is that he wants what's best for them. He wants them, he wants forgiveness for them. He wants them to be in a harmonious relationship with God. And that's, that is in essence, exactly what it means to bless, to speak well of someone, to want what's best for them. He didn't curse them, Mm -hmm. but forgiveness is a, almost an ultimate blessing. Like Mm -hmm. we need grace and mercy when we do things wrong. So Mm -hmm. he blessed them. Yeah. And I think of, you know, you look at the persecution that Christ endured and that that magnitude is just hard for me to imagine. And yet if we're to respond as Jesus did when mm-hmm. enduring the ultimate persecution as you said mm-hmm. Jennifer, how much more are we called to bless others when they simply irritate us or embarrass us yes. or inconvenience us? Yes. Yes. There's there's one last example that I'd like to point to on this verse, and it was in the study homework if you had a chance to do that. But the the story of Paul when he's presenting his defense to his his persecutors in Acts 26 is so powerful. It's one of my very mm. favorite stories of Paul, and specifically in this this part where he's he's defending himself in front of King Agrippa, and King Agrippa is the great-grandson of the Herod the Great. I mean, he's just, he, he comes from a long line of bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Paul would have every right to be angry and defensive and upset about this unjust persecution that he's facing. He's been arrested simply for spreading the gospel, for causing a disruption among the Jews. And yet, he doesn't lash out that way. He doesn't mm-hmm get angry. He doesn't resent what's happening to him. Rather, he takes the opportunity to share his own testimony of how he met Christ, and he witnesses to King Agrippa. And King Agrippa even says, what are you doing? Do you do you want me to try to become a Christian? And he's, yeah, he says, you know, to God, I wish that all men were like I am, you know, a Christian, a follower of Jesus. And it's just so incredible to me that, that Paul 
I, I love this story because Paul is living out exactly what he's telling mm-hmm. the Roman church to do in, in that, that example. So we know that this isn't something he was just writing as a, you know, here's a good idea. Right. He, he, he believed it. He did it too. Yeah. Um, just powerful examples. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to be talking more about this concept of how we relate to people who are definitely not loving towards us, but even um, causing evil to us for the rest of the chapter. In the next two weeks, we have some very powerful verses about that. But now let's shift our attention to the next verse in verse 15 that calls us to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. Mm-hmm. Jennifer, I feel like you with your psychology background can relate to the uh, the importance of this. I'm glad you said that instead of saying because of your your showing up unstable emotions. <laughs> Morning rejoice. Well, this is loving your neighbor as yourself. Mm. In this life we cling to, we trust, we run to those who are emotionally present with us mm. in our life's moments, in the poignant moments. And the poignant moments usually are the ones where we're mourning or grieving uh, the loss, the death, or the loss of a relationship, or the loss of hopes and dreams, Mm -hmm. or career, whatever, or we're rejoicing wonderful things. So Svea came up with this term, and I thought, oh, I love it. I love (laughs) good, great words that fit. Um, Be emotionally consistent, and we'll add positionally connected. Mm. In order to rejoice and mourn with a person, you have to be in the moment where they are. Mm-hmm. And you have to be willing and open to share emotions with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we, we mistake that we, as Christians, we need to give them a powerful word. <laughs> we need to, you know, tell them, now get up from your, your crying and stand in the Lord. But we need to... Um, be a human with them first. Mm-hmm. We say the hands and feet of Jesus. We need to hug them. We need mm-hmm. to wipe away their tears. We need to cry because we're feeling their pain. Wow. Doesn't that speak more volumes of how lovely it would be to be a Christian if people felt that from us mm-hmm. rather than admonishing wow. them about mourning or grieving? Uh, even other Christians now, you know, they're in heaven. They're, you know, they accepted the Lord. So why are you grieving? Well, because you're going to miss them. Yeah. 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 Um, Again, Jesus, our example in the famously shortest verse right. of the Bible, when his friend Lazarus died, Jesus yes, wept. Jesus wept. Mm-hmm. He's showing us how to be. Uh, he knew he was going to raise him from the dead. Yeah. But he wept because I think everything that Christ did was to show us how to respond to our humankind. Yeah, he wept people. with those who were weeping yeah, in that moment. That was my friend, and mm-hmm. they're like my family. Uh, he also rejoiced. He was at the wedding mm-hmm. uh, and enjoyed and, and responded to his mother's request because he knew, let's mm-hmm. keep the revelry going because <laughs> marriage is a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but in order to do that, we have to be not afraid to show emotions and not afraid to connect with people in the moments. Um, you all have shared that moments uh, that you remember people sharing in your sadness yeah. or um or your happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just being a Christian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that it makes sense why the next phrase that Paul writes is to live in harmony with yes. one another. Yes. It's, it's, it's an awkward thing when 
you're at a party and everyone's rejoicing, but there's someone who's just being grumpy off in the corner, right? <laughs> <laughs> or the opposite thing. How inappropriate is it when it's a really somber moment and you've got someone yeah. that's cracking callous jokes or something like that? It's just, it's it's jarring when someone is kind of out of step with the community that way. So I think right. this this concept of live in harmony with each other is important. Yeah, I think about harmony. Harmony is a blending of different sounds and notes and tunes, and I'm getting the terminology wrong, but it creates a beautiful picture mm-hmm. uh, in uh, to the ear, mm-hmm. uh, blendingness. So um, in our different ways, we can mourn and we can rejoice. If you're not an emotional person, but you're a person who, when you hear someone's loss, you send them a, a supportive card right away or some flowers. Right. Or you call and say, my heart is with you. Just tell me how I can help you when Mm -hmm. the time is. Now, rejoicing sometimes is harder than mourning with others because um, if we are selfish or we're all about ourselves, which is selfish, um, we can't um, let a person shine in their moments. Mm -hmm. But as a Christian, we have to be selfless. We have to be humble. We have to be meek. Um, sometimes we have to be long-suffering, knowing that whatever God has designed for our lives will be, and that we don't have to um, be upset when someone else is experiencing their moments that are lovely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we need to be able to be selfless sometimes to rejoice when we don't feel like our life is going the way uh, that we would like it to be. But well, we have to rejoice with others. And I think the beauty of Christian fellowship is we have that shared hope. Yes. We, When we are suffering, yeah. we all have the same hope in Christ and that ultimately he will make it right in the end. Yeah. We have the same shared joy in knowing what God has done to redeem the both the hard things in our life and, and that he's using the good things in his life for his glory too. And yes. so I think, you know, it makes sense this phrase about living in harmony with it, with one another. The, the direct translation from the Greek for that phrase means literally to think the same thing. Yeah. And it's not wow. necessarily that we're, we're thinking the same words or that we have this rote uniformity of thought, but we have this common attitude, this common foundational purpose. We're in life. life with each other. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Other. What yeah. hurts you hurts me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. It's mm-hmm. a lovely thing for us to be striving for mm-hmm. in our Christian community. Mm-hmm. Well, something that would definitely hurt that is the last phrase of this section, don't be haughty. Yeah. <laughs> Haughty people are not easy people to be in community with, are they? No, no. <laughs> yeah, they're not the first person to be invited to the party. <laughs> <laughs> or to call when things are going poorly. Sure. Yeah. No, and yeah, so I don't think we even really need to flesh that out too much. It's right. pretty evident. But but it, he says instead, but associate with the lowly. Mm-hmm. Never be wise in your own sight. Um, lowly is not a word we use very often, though, is it? I know, but it it really stuck out to me in this passage. Um, one of my daughters gave me a book for Christmas entitled Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. And the general theme of the book, which I never really thought about before, but the general theme is that these descriptors of gentle and lowly are adjectives that Jesus used to describe himself. Mm-hmm. So in Matthew 11, 28 and 29, we read, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Mm. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Mm -hmm. And the author explains that Paul uses this same word 
in Romans 12, 16. So lowly is a word that Jesus uses to describe himself. Mm -hmm. And yet I wonder what we think of when we hear the word lowly. Mm -hmm. I mean, is it that someone is lowly who doesn't quite measure up to the standards that we've defined, whether those standards be economic or social or educational or religious or cultural or political or generational And yet Jesus, God's own son, defined himself among the lowly. Mm -hmm. And it says we are to associate with the lowly. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we read um, verses like this and we think of them theoretically, you know, people far off in impoverished third world countries. Mm -hmm. And yet to associate seems to mean we're talking about people who are within our own space that we encounter. Mm -hmm. I wonder if there was tension among the members of that first century church regarding position. I mean, were there issues among the Jews and Greeks? Were there issues among those who had, you know, tensions among those who had experienced exile and those who had not, those whose financial or social situation had changed as a result? Yeah, I imagine that tension was probably a very real thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, and it's not something that has necessarily evaporated over yeah, 2,000 point. years of history. Sure. Um, so it is an important thing that, that Paul's calling us to, to, to make that association, to, to break down the barriers. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's interesting in some of the commentaries, it's unclear from the, the words if when he's referring to the lowly or with, with associate with the lowly, if he's talking specifically about people or even just associate with the tasks that you might consider mm-hmm. lowly, like the menial things. Um, but either way, whether whether he's talking about lowly people in, in status or, or being the kind of servant who would do the things that no one else right. considers or that, that they might consider beneath them, the point is the same. Either way, we are to shed any thoughts that we have of arrogance or pride or superiority to anyone else in our community and to live that way. We are to live, um, as you pointed out, Jan, to live as Christ lived, gentle and lowly mm-hmm. and being one seeking to serve. Mm-hmm. Well, the the last phrase, this never be wise in your own sight, um, many of us have Proverbs 3, 4, and 5 as some favorite verses of us, you know, that trust not in your own, or do not lean it. <laughs> I'm getting tongue-tied here. Yeah, Trust in the cute. Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And Proverbs 3, 7 is what comes right after that that has almost the same wording about not being wise in your own eyes. Um, and it's possible that Paul was intentionally referring to that to kind of echo, to summarize these verses with that same concept Um, that we are to keep our eyes on God Mm -hmm. um, and our godly life and relationships will flow out of that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's it's a beautiful way for him to wrap these verses up. Yeah, I think maybe the most foolish thing is to be a (laughs) know-it-all or to think that you to be wise in your own sight because the Bible tells us we only know in part right now Mm -hmm. and and we definitely know we're not God. Um, And to think ourselves as all-knowing or wise is, oh, that's, uh, you know, kind of idolatry mm-hmm. in a way because we don't know. We're not God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so if if God, through his word, and Jesus, through his words and example, show us that he was drawn to the lowly, 
the mm-hmm. I, I think of the old songs like meek and mild the mm-hmm. baby jesus the lamb yeah who uh, was like those things um are heartwarming to me yeah draws me to it and i think it's meant to be to remind us because as humans we're going to think we're better than others human structures we set up uh, hierarchies uh-huh. of importance oh. mm-hmm. and we develop pretentiousness so we have to constantly be reminded by being in god's word of Lowly, meek, and mild is what uh, humility is like, and that is what God honors. Mm-hmm. And that's what Jesus showed mm-hmm. us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jesus, as Philippians 2 said, though in the very form of God, yeah. made himself nothing and took the form mm-hmm. of a servant. Mm-hmm. And he is our wow. example to follow in all of this. So who are we not to do those things? <laughs> right. Yeah. The lowly tasks, the servanthood, to not think of ourselves more than others because we have achieved some worldly measure of success or status um yeah yeah it's it's actually something for us to be aspiring to isn't it yes (laughs) well jan jennifer thank you so much for coming in today to illuminate these verses with me um i just find these verses to be such a great reminder about how important it is for us to be intentional about Mm -hmm. being in harmony with our christian brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. to weep with them when they're weeping Mm -hmm. to rejoice with them when they're rejoicing Mm -hmm. And also to uh, guard ourselves, as you were saying, about not getting up on our high horse and instead to follow, to aspire to be like Christ and and make ourselves uh, lowly, gentle, to be a servant. To be kind and welcoming and in the moment. Absolutely. In these verses, like I'd said earlier, they're a great bridge um, in this chapter, kind of touching on this first idea of what it's going to look like to love people who are not easy to love, who who are not treating us well. Mm -hmm. That's going to be an important thing in this chapter as we go forward. And so though these practical instructions ahead aren't going to be easy, some of them aren't as fun as the verses that we've covered, (laughs) they actually, I think, have the potential to be truly life-changing. So as we look forward to the final two weeks of this series, I am um, fully confident in what God can do in our hearts as we seek to soak in all the wisdom we can from God's word as we seek to put our love in action. Mm